welcome to the Gathering Place Church weekly podcast. We hope today's message ignites, equips, and challenges you to live out your Christian faith and to bring healing to a broken world. Christ Jesus. I feel today's message will lend more prophetic for our church. Um, You know, we do have a lot of amazing things happening, things going on, and it's just been neat in my time with the Lord of just how he's been moving these messages that I believe are speaking further than what you're going to hear through your ears today in the next 45 minutes or so. But that they would reverberate um, into our future of the church. And I've said this once before, I'll say it again, but I believe there's a song that's gonna come out of this message today. So worship team, Kelsey, Corey, Christian, all those here, take some notes because I believe Bree. And I just want to thank you for being attentive to the Spirit today and allowing Him to move, giving Him rain. There's already been so much Scripture that's come forth. Aren't you thankful for a church that just brings Scripture and allows that to be prophetic for us? It says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Without Him, you don't have prophecy. But I believe there's a song that's going to come through today's message that we're going to be able, um, you'll hear it in in song. And Kelsey, Corey, last week, um, that song that was birthed in a place of oil in your life, it was beautiful. Were you blessed by that last week? If you were here, original song that they were able to sing from. And last week we talked about Where's your oil? Are you storing oil? And as we move forward as a church, I want it to be done where there's a supply of oil that's here in our ministry, in our school. It comes from a place of oil. And that you be going into your secret place and storing oil. Um, You know, it's amazing. You look at the landscape of what's happening in our country, what's happening specifically on college campuses, And God is touching people. You can see in this hour, if you have an open heart, God will touch you. That's what I'm saying. Don't harden your heart because he's moving. He's touching students. He's touching families. He's touching churches. And don't let him pass you by. Don't miss what is happening. And we're going to be sensitive to his presence, sensitive to his spirit. Because sermons don't change change lives. Jesus does. And that's who I want here. 
because he's the one who's going to touch and change and do. He's the one who's going to build his church, not Pastor Garrett. Kay, thank you for praying for me last week. It moved me at the altar. Appreciate you. Harlan, I'm so happy you're here. It's good to have you back. I know you've been through a rough couple years. And I'm thankful that you both are here. What's your name, brother? Trey, glad you're here too. Nice hair. <laughs> you know, I see, um, I just talked to... Um, Sarah and Tracy. Next week they start as our new children's leaders and um, we have 25 kids over there today, so pray for them. You know, probably outside of the service, Kathy, I would say we have 35 to 40 kids that are being ministered to. And Sister Kim, you at the door even, you saw these kids coming in. You're like, oh my goodness. You know, there's a grace that's here. And it's so encouraging that there's half the size of what is out there. It's in kids of what's in here. And again, I'm just in awe of what God is doing, what he's building. And I just want to be sensitive to it. Because I, trust me, I'm excited more than anyone to see this building happen and take place. But if that is our focus, and we're going to keep the vision there. But if that is our focus, it's almost as though it can become an idol can become something we chase after. But I want us to go higher than that and then the building, the supply it takes become a byproduct of us going after oil. Can anyone say amen to that? And so I believe, Belinda, there's oil for you. God loves you and I'm happy you're here today resting, receiving. So many of you, sister, I see you there. You're new with us today, I believe. So many of you, maybe your your first time here, pray you're blessed from today. But I want to get into God's word in Luke chapter 10. You know, I've been really ministering through Luke chapter 10. Um, probably have already had four messages through it in, in last year. Um, and this is the end of Luke chapter 10 because it's, it's heavy on evangelism, the 70 being sent out, Jesus empowering them through the Spirit. But then it comes to kind of this, really this big lesson, but if, you're, if you don't read in between the lines, you're going to miss it, of what's happening. And it's with Mary and Martha in their worship. And in the world we live in today, this can be something that is so opposite of how churches are built, how churches are run be so opposite of how our lives are built, how our lives are run. I talked of last week that in order to get the oil, it's not something I can give you or lay hands on you. It's something that is purchased in time in your secret place with Jesus. And so as we get into this message, we're going to see a case study or a compare and contrast of two sisters, one who was developing oil in this moment and the other who wasn't doing a bad thing but was missing the point of what Jesus was trying to teach her. I want to read it then we'll teach through it and I believe the Holy Spirit's going to move upon your heart as he has mine through this. Verse 38 says, Now it happened as they went and he entered a certain village 
and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. Everybody say, one thing is needed. This one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen the good part which will not be taken away from her. If you pray with me. Jesus, we thank you that you're here. We give you rule and reign in this place. We posture our hearts to receive the gospel, good news. Teach us, give us wisdom, give us understanding. You're loving us right where we're at today. And as you're loving us, let us grow in that love. Because you, we first have to be loved in order to love our neighbor, in order to love deeper and wider, to love our enemies. So love us as this word comes forth today. And Father, we thank you that I don't want to grow wider. I want our church to grow deeper today would be a deeper growth, that a seed would be planted, that oil would be poured out as we eat upon your word, as we're nourished and nurtured by the presence of the Holy Spirit. We love you, Lord. Calm our minds. Anxiety has to leave. Worry has to leave. Trouble has to leave. Let your presence supersede everything we have on our mind right now. All of it will be there. But we just want to meet with you. We want to know you more. We're not playing church. We want to meet with Jesus right here and right now, surrounded by your holy, living, powerful, never-changing word. It has stood the test of time. It will stand the test of our circumstance and it will plant seed for our future. We love you, Jesus. All of God's people said, amen. Thanks, Corey. So we see, I think, one, an amazing gospel story here and so much to be learned and I just wanna take a minute and break it down for you. Jordan, if you bring me down just a little bit, um, I'm weird about hearing myself talk. I don't, I don't know. I don't like to hear myself too much. Bree will tell you, it's like, you need to go back and listen to that message because you probably didn't even realize what, you know, you were saying. And I would say, I would, but I just don't like hearing myself talk. Maybe you could re-preach it for, I don't know. Um, but the thing I know about grace is it flows downhill. Scripture says that he opposes the proud pushes the proud back, but extends grace to the humble. And as grace flows downstream, can you come into God's house today with a lowly heart, with a contrite spirit, 
Scripture would teach us that this attitude would be meekness. We know that in the Beatitudes, the Magna Carta of the church and of our Christianity, meekness is taught by Jesus himself. And it says that the meek will inherit the earth. You know, I look at at the leader that I want to be, the father's men that we need to be, husbands, and how we're to lead our families and what spirit and attitude and, quite frankly, you could say, what personality. And meekness isn't just something you're born with. It's something that you have to surrender and allow the Lord to teach you in. Meekness isn't weakness. Meekness would be understood by the church as power under control. We live in a world today where from churches to courtrooms to politicians, where you see these power grabs, prideful, narcissistic type leaders. But when you look at the Bible, it flips it upside down and it says, meekness are those that inherit the earth. Meekness are those that can change a nation. Meekness are those that God wants to give his grace to and wants to put more in your life. Fill your cup with oil because you can be trusted with that responsibility. You can be trusted with that place of leadership. You can be trusted in what he, in the assignment or where he's going to appoint you. Meekness can also be understood as being pliable, teachable, correctable, flexible. How many of when you put leadership with pliable, flexible, teachable, correctable, it's usually the opposite. But as we're growing to become more like Jesus, to be in his image and likeness, I would submit to you today, are you praying, Holy Spirit, make me meek? Jesus teaches, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy heavy laden, for I am meek. We see it in scripture there as well. Jesus was meek. He was the son of God who walked on water, who performed miracle after miracle, healing after healing, but he never showboated it. He never used it. He would actually tell people, now is not the time. Don't even mention it. How many churches, ministries, people, when God does a miracle, it's blasted everywhere. Where Jesus said, don't even talk about it yet. It's not time. We get into the story of Mary and Martha. And we see really these amazing principles and promises and how we're to grow deeper and how we're to develop oil in our life. What our secret place should look like. You know, a pastor's greatest um, joy is when God's people have a secret place. Because as I preach today, your secret place should catch and should be encouraged and oil should be being poured on that. And it should be like a seed that's being watered. But if you don't have a secret place, it's going to go right over your head and out the door. Because there's no stickiness to your life. It's just, I hear one thing, it goes in one ear and out the other. And if you really want to be transformed, if you really want to change, if you really want to not be in cycles of perpetual sin, it's in your secret place that the Holy Spirit will deal with you in love, and that's where you'll find the change that you've been longing to have. That's when you'll grow deeper in the things of God. 
So we see two sisters, and these two sisters have a brother. His name's Lazarus. I believe this was a family that was very close to the ministry of Jesus. And really, uh, between Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, played a big role in the Gospels of what you see there, um, what they uh, contributed to the life of Jesus and, and, and to these gospel stories. You know, I'm convinced, and what we need to know about the story is it's not pinning the one that serves and the one that sits against each other. I think a lot of times this can be misunderstood and misconstrued that it's, more, it's better to sit than it is to serve in God's house. These two should not be in contrast, but they're to be in concert together. And so if you read this for just face value but not catch the heart of what Jesus is saying, it almost is, can be a shrug off that I don't have to really do anything. But when you approach your doing and you've been in a place of sitting, then that serving can actually deposit joy in your life. So two sisters, one big lesson that we see happening here. So you look at, it says, going back to verse 38, talks about Martha as mentioned first, first. And I love this because Martha welcomes him into the house, but it's Mary that keeps him there. When you think about it, a lot of the times we're good at welcoming him into our house, but we don't become a Mary in order to keep him there. He's attracted to that place, that secret place. And what I'm submitting to you today, are you just a Martha that's good being a busybody and preparing a table, but do you actually sit down and eat with him? Is there any substance at your table that you can be nourished with him in? It should be a challenge to both of us, to all of us. And so it mentions Martha, who's serving, welcomes Jesus into the home. And then in verse 39, it said that there's Mary. And what's Mary doing? She's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And what is she doing at the feet of Jesus? She's hearing the word. She's not talking. She's just listening. She's growing. She's gleaning. She's being filled at, at the words of Jesus. And off in the distance, you could hear the, the putter and the clutter and the scrambling and the rambling of, of Martha running around and preparing this meal. And at the same time, she's cooking and cleaning and she's looking over at her sister, angry and mad at jealous because all the work is following on her. And Mary's just over here sitting, doing nothing and being with the guest. So something deeper is going on here. There's a spirit that's with Martha that goes far beyond she's just working and doing something. She's getting jealous. She's getting frustrated. And she's getting jealous and frustrated at her sister, Mary. So as you get into verse 40, Mary is sitting, Martha is working and serving. And it says that Martha was distracted with much serving. This is key here. She was distracted in her serving. Let me say this. You can be attentive to the Holy Spirit. Actually, I know this. 
try to take on a building project and then preach the next Sunday. You can be serving and still be plugged into what the Holy Spirit is doing. You don't have to go isolate to get something from God. You can be moving and doing and going and the Holy Spirit be filling and teaching you at the same time. Now, don't get me wrong. You've got a Sabbath. You've got to rest, and you've got to have time and things blocked out, but I don't want it to be excuse an excuse for us that just because we're moving doesn't mean God can't be filling and speaking. You look at the life of the apostles, fishermen, Paul, a tent maker. Paul said he even prayed without ceasing, so as he's building tents, he's praying. The apostles, as they're fishing, they're praying. The two can be in harmony together, but the key here is, are you distracted while you're serving? So you can be distracted and not attentive in your mind, attentive in your heart. You're doing, you're in your assignment, but you're distracted in your assignment, and you're not hearing from God. You're doing things in your own strength. You're, you're uh, mentally fatigued because there's not that oil coming out of your secret place. So Jesus is going to teach Martha a lesson here. And I believe if we can catch this lesson, things can literally break through and change in your life. So she was distracted in the serving. It says she approached him and said, and what she's about to say, she's about to complain. She's about to bring a, a need. She's about to bring an issue about another person to Jesus. Anybody else ever bring a need or an issue about another person to Jesus? She's like all of us. So she's about to bring an issue with the person she has to Jesus. And look what she says. She says, Lord, do you not care? First off, right there, the audacity. You really think Jesus doesn't care. The incarnate son of God who left heaven, born in a manger, grew in stature, was now doing ministry, healing, and he spent time to come into Martha's house to eat her food, and she, you don't think he cares? Come on. So you can see the frustration of where Mary's at. Do you even care? She's totally missing everything. She's only thinking about herself. She doesn't think he even cares. Says, do you not care that my sister has left me be careful what I'm about to say here. Please hear it. Martha is actually assuming the place of a victim here. She's victimizing herself. Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Look what Jesus' answer is about to be, and I want you to catch this. As many times when you bring an issue or a need about somebody else to Jesus... He doesn't answer you with that person. He actually flips the script back on you, and then something's about to change inside of you. Because the issue here is not with Mary. The issue is what's going on in her. That's what I'm saying. When you come to Jesus, you better be careful because you don't know the response you're going to get. So this is Jesus' response. Verse 41, it says, And Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, 
It's not, I'm angry at you. It's, oh, I love you, Martha. Please hear me what I'm about to say. You are so worried and troubled about many things. Jesus is getting deep. And I want you to know this about worry and trouble. They always go together. When you're worried, it is a symptom of something that is troubling you on the inside. Bree knows me. I know her. When I'm worried about something, she knows there's something that's troubling me. So there's worry and, and trouble happening here. He's saying you're worried and troubled about many things. Then he says, but only one thing is needed. And he's going to give the solution to the many things through one thing. You know, Jesus, in the Beatitudes as well, he says, tomorrow is going to have its own troubles. Only focus on what you can handle today. So the 10 things in your head, if you want to get in my head as a pastor, the people in our church, the people in our school, the, my own family, um, all the things that could easily, if I just sit down and begin to think about, can worry me and trouble me, I can begin to be very ineffective and just allow fear to come over me. But Jesus teaches that you've got to take the 10 things, check them, and focus on what's happening on Sunday. And don't think beyond Sunday. I'm telling you, there's a principle here, if you can see it, is there's going to be worry and trouble. This life, my life is no harder than your life. But I'm here to tell you and encourage you, you can get over it and get through it. If you just focus on today, not five years from now, 10 years from now, many of us, we're false prophets for our own future because we listen to worry, right? Don't prophesy a future that God never intended out of worry and trouble. So Jesus is meeting with her. He's saying, you're worried and troubled about many things, but it's one thing is only needed. And can this be a word for all of us, a word for our church that if we're going to go after the oil, one thing is needed. It's not rocket science. It's not this big formula. If you were to read this in some church growth seminar, it would send everybody on their back because many things are needed. Many serving is needed. Many programs are needed. Much tithe is needed. All of these things in order to accomplish what God wants. But it says here only one thing is needed. And what is that one thing? Well, Mary resembles it. Mary has chosen the good part. And look at the promise. It's not going to be taken away. So the three sandwiches with a side of hummus that Martha is preparing to bring Jesus. Jesus was Mediterranean. I think hummus is Mediterranean. He ate Mediterranean food. Guess what? That's going to be eaten. It'll fill an appetite for a moment, but then it's going to leave and you're going to be hungry again. But there's one thing that was given here that cannot be taken away. And I don't know about you, in a world of inflation, in a world of a hurricane can come through and blow something away, in a world of things we can't control when you get sick or unhealthy or you get fired or your job changes, everything can easily be taken away. We learned that through COVID. Things can be shaken, even institutions and places you thought were unshakable. So when Jesus says something that can't be taken away, that's where I'm lasering in on because that's gonna be with me in the age to come. 
That's going to be with me when I leave this body and go to be with him. I want to build my life and us to be a church that builds on this one thing that can't be taken away, that moth and rust can't destroy. And I got to tell you, it's not easy. Mary's distracted. How distracted are we? And again, distraction can't be bad because you still got to take care of your kids. You still got to work. You still got to do all the things, what it takes to sustain. But don't get distracted in that. Don't allow it to enslave you. Allow it to serve you. And if you don't deal with what's going on inside of you, it will enslave you. It will not serve you. Trouble and worry will enslave you till the day you die. Some of you are chronic worriers. You worry before you worship. And we're called to worship every time before we worry. That's why you better have a song or you better have a scripture. You better have a devotional, something to keep your worship alive. Keep it potent. And again, it's, it's found in that secret place. It's found in that oil. So she's worrying about many things. These two always go together. And you know, little Mary sitting there, wrote this down, would look incredibly unsuccessful to modern churches, sitting at the feet of Jesus. That would look, okay, she's sitting, awesome. Where's the big building? Where's the big budgets? Where's all this, that, and the other? But Jesus is elevating something that is meek, something that would seem lowly, and saying she is the one being successful here, not the busybody running around serving, distracted, troubled, and worried. You've got to catch in the spirit of what he's elevating here. You know, what, we're, what we see here as well, and this convicted me, is that there was only one in the room, Jesus, right? And many times in leadership, in life, in ministry, we can be concerned with taking care of everybody else or moving everybody's heart. But who was Mary concerned about moving? Just Jesus. And I pray that I'm a pastor that cares about moving the heart of Jesus, not the heart of the people. David said, restore me in your eyes, Jesus, Father. Saul said, restore me in the eyes of the people. There's two different ways of viewpoint you can see a lot of these things. Do we care about moving people? And again, this goes far beyond a church setting or a ministry. Or is your life source moving the heart of Jesus? And then in moving the heart of Jesus, I can then trust these other areas in my life because there's oil flowing because I'm moving his heart. Now what I touch, there's oil that is accompanied with that. Not there's nothing happening here and I put all my efforts in moving people out here. But see, what this does is it flips it back of I now have to focus on my relationship with God. Can't get it from church, can't get it from my pastor, can't get it from my husband, can't get it from my spouse. I now have to allow the light of heaven to shine on me. But again, it's, it's tender, it's wooing, it's drawing. Jesus was not rough with, Mary, with Martha here. 
He was loving her and saying, I'm going to teach you something. Not going to bring, teach you something and, and, and say, Mary needs to, yes, get in here, Mary. What are you doing? He dealt with the matter of her heart. And out of that, things would begin to change. And she was worried about moving the heart of one, not the heart of many. And this is what we've got to be reminded of. You know, I think, too, what we see here, a principle, is the power of dependency. And trust me, I get it. We all want to be independent. We all want to be self-made. We all want to have our own success, our own lives. And I'm not against that. It's America, it's a world we live in. But in our relationship with Christ, it has to be dependent. And Mary shows us a life of dependency on him. And dependency is not weakness, just like meekness is not weakness, but it's saying, I can't go unless you go with me. I won't leave unless you tell me to go. That I am dependent on Jesus for everything and anything. Not, I'll check in with Jesus when I get to my destination. No, start with him, walk with him, and finish with him. You've got to be dependent on Jesus. Not this independent, separate, compartmentalized. Jesus is at the center, and everything in our lives flows from that. This is how we get oil. This is how we develop a secret place. Some synonyms of dependency would be this. Being sustained. Being yielded to leaning on, relying on. Your smartphone you have in your pocket is worth nothing because it, when it's dead because it's dependent on power. We're worth nothing unless we're plugged into our power source. We can't do it. You're gonna burn out. You're gonna get angry. You're gonna get bitter. Some of you are so bitter in places of your life because you've unplugged a long time ago and you gotta plug back in. We have to lean in before we lean on something. We've got to lean in, and every musician, every singer, every children's worker, every usher, security, please hear me if you serve in this church. You need to lean into him before you lean on a gift. Because if you're leaned into him, it will be felt. It will serve the people because it's coming from a place of God has moved your heart before you just plugged into a utility position and this is my job today. You've leaned into him, it's felt. And this is every time on your, on your five or 15 minute car ride to work, lean into him before you lean on what you're gonna do for the day. Because if you're leaned into him, guess what? There can be so much more that's happening, so much more you're attentive to and what you're always leaning on because you're leaning in. This is just a principle of life. If you want anointing to flow through you, the oil to flow through you, there is a sustained, yielded posture in your life where you are leaning in before you lean on. Somebody say amen. It's dependency. If you want to read, for lack of time, I won't, but you can read Acts chapter 6. And out of it, it talks about 
um, you know, the church began to grow. And as the church grew, there was all of these needs and there was widows that were being missed and being served because there was so much happening, explosion happening in the church of, of miracles happening. God, um, the church in its infancy stage growing. So they said, we've got to get deacons in place in order to, to make sure that there's no, no, no soul, no person, no heart that's missed as this growth is happening. And so they're put in so the the priests can be given over to prayer and the word and and you see this this structure and this growth begin to mold and to take place. And it's not out of this place of I'm delegating now, but it's out of this place of we want to be so effective in how we serve. Not one person can do everything. Not everything should fall on the pastor. Don't get me wrong, I will do it all. That's why I got a Carhartt shirt on. I'm ready to work. I'm ready to get my boots dirty. But here my heart is, this is a team effort. This is something and we're called to do together. And I was reading in, in um, 2 Samuel where it talks about good leaders. And it talks about leaders who fear the Lord are like, and it gives this description, are like those, or it's like when the sunrise comes up and it just kisses your face, that warm sunrise when you walk out in the morning, that it's refreshing and it's relieving. And we've got to be a people that fear the Lord. Not, oh my gosh, is he going to smite me kind of fear. It's, I can't imagine my life without him. I cannot imagine being so dependent on him that I can't do anything. It's this holy reverential fear, this awe, that he has to be first place in everything, and I am discontent until he is. And it's out of him being first, I can now walk in contentment. And I'm telling you, out of a place of contentment, your parenting will change. There'll be oil in your marriage. There'll be oil in your relationships with people because you're leaning in before you're leaning on something. So Acts chapter 6 gives practicalities in that place. I love Hebrews 12. We'll read this one to you. You know this. It says, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, here's what it says, let us lay aside every weight. And it says, and the sin which so easily ensnares us let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So you're seeing there has to be a let go of sin. This is what Brianna was talking about this morning, is you, you've got to let go of the sin if you're going to endure. The things that you've put theology around to justify because you haven't experienced liberty or freedom in that area of sin, you know, we, if we can't be set free, a byproduct is we just start justifying it. It's not hurting anybody. No one knows about it. You've got to let these things go. And I'm here to tell you today, there is liberty when you surrender, when you lean into him. A byproduct of the presence of God isn't just so you feel good, it's you get set free. You get set free of small sins, great sins. You get so convicted that you fall on your face and you just begin to repent out of this loving place with your heavenly father. So it says, we've got to let these things go what entangles us, what ensnares us, how do we do it? 
you see it, you've got to look unto somebody. Who is it? You've got to look unto Jesus. Who is he? He's the author. He is the finisher. Again, one thing is needed. It can't be taken away. When you see Jesus known as the finisher, he's going to endure till the end with you, just as he did with his cross that you're about to hear. So he's the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You're going to have crosses in this life. And just as the joy of Jesus was the purpose of it, which was setting us free, life is hard. Life will be full of problem, pain, and peril. And as a Christian, we don't pray it away or wish it away. We go right to the source and say, if you're using this, I can be connected to the cross and the byproduct of being connected, connecting my suffering to the cross is there can be joy on the other side. This is what this is teaching us here. Now, I'm not saying every, every um, cancer and all of these things, I'm not saying we don't pray against those things and pray to be healed and delivered. But we've got to understand that he doesn't ordain it, but he uses it. And you've got to go to the source and say, this is a cross in my life. I don't want to waste it. I don't want to be stupid with it. The word says that if I connect it, that there can be joy that I find in the middle of it. Now, this is a hard place because if you're not leaning on him and you don't know him, you won't find it. The crosses that we endure in this life can be very heavy at times. They can also be very gentle. Now, we know he won't his heart is to never crush us. But if you're doing things in your own strength, something that should never be meant to crush you will feel so weighty that it's just crushing you because you've not stored up oil. So we've got to throw these things off. We've got to get in and know the author, the finisher of this faith, of our faith, our most holy faith. We've got to build ourselves up, James talks about, in our most holy faith. There has to be a building. Corey, if you would help me close here. I want to have a moment of communion, and I want you to see something through this. In, in the days ahead, communion's going to have a much more center-focused part of our community and of our services, because there's something powerful supernatural, supernatural, mystical when we break and when we gather around the body and the blood of Jesus. But you see this point in Scripture, and this is found in, in Luke 24, if you want to read it. The road to Emmaus. Jesus had, it's that 40 days of him walking the earth in his resurrected body appearing to some 500 witnesses that would see Jesus in that time, appearing to different disciples and apostles, showing the nail, the, the, his nail-pierced hands. And it was in this he, was, he appeared to two of his apostles. And they're doubtful, they're fearful, they haven't, did Jesus, is he gonna rise again like he told us? And they... He appears and he begins walking with them. 
and they don't know it's him. It says that he, he disguised who he was, and he was an undercover boss just hearing kind of their fear and their doubt. And you really see this cool dialogue and this amazing revelation that Jesus does, and I, I want you to catch it. In verse 25, it says this. It says, then he said to them, oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures and the things that concerned himself. So he reveals himself as he's teaching the word, as he's hearing their fear and their doubt. He, he teaches himself, he t- begins teaching. And here's what I find amazing and I might step on your theological toes for a minute. If you struggle with the Old Testament, doesn't matter, it's gone away. Right here is Jesus himself saying, he began to teach the scripture, the law, the prophets. Well, this is Jesus talking, so do we have a New Testament at this point? Shake your head, no. So he opened the scriptures, what scriptures did he open? the Old Testament, and he began to point, this is what Isaiah says revealing about me. This is what the prophet said. This is in the book of Genesis. I was a type of Joseph. And he begins going through and through saying, this is where everything that was foretold, you're standing right with him and next to him. So he unfolds and teaches the scripture in the most profound, amazing way. It says that they get cut to the heart. Something so pierces them and this is what should happen and here's what I'm, I want to say too if you've been at this church for a long time and your heart does not get cut with the word anymore get into the secret place and say Holy Spirit light the fire again set a fire down in my soul I can't contain that I can't control you know the song so as you read in says he began to teach and expound and in verse 30 it says now it came to pass so the word cut their heart and then he has communion with them he breaks the body and serves the blood because we know yes there is a better covenant a fulfilled covenant and it all points to Jesus old and new So it says their eyes were opened. And when their eyes were opened, he vanished from their sight. Isn't that like Jesus? He teaches you and he leaves. Then you have to now walk it out in faith, to walk it out with the Holy Spirit. Jesus doesn't really hold our hand through life. He does, but you gotta understand a testing will go much further than some prophetic word somebody gives you because it's in a testing you get it for yourself. Mm-hmm. We're always being tested. We're always being refined. And many times we can look for the easy road or the easy way out. I hate to break it to you, that's not Christianity. Yes, he's with us. Yes, he walks with us. But he wants us to become more like him. And it's in the testing, it's in the refining that the wood, hay, and stubble of your life fall off. And it's those that which is precious rubies, gold and silver, Corinthians teaches. That's what gets refined and comes out of your life and out of your heart. 
some of you today, you've just been building on wood, hay, and stubble. And he's saying, come to me, sit at my feet. Only one thing is needed, and out of that one thing, a life of precious stones can begin to be built. Scripture even says, and this is Paul too in Corinthians, he says that he is the chief cornerstone, and he's building our lives. We're all a brick in this kingdom, in this temple that he's building. So he gets to this place of communion, and I want you to hear this. If you have a burning heart right now, or if you don't, you will as you get in the secret place. As your heart begins to burn, what we're going to see here is their vision was cleared. And when we partake of the body and blood of Christ, it should clear your vision to what is supreme, important, powerful, the purpose of your life. And it's to bring glory to his name. It's to honor him with every choice and decision. And my goodness, when you think of it, how in the world will we do it? It's a life postured, surrendered, yielded, and sustained and dependent solely on him because we will miss the mark. We will mess up. But what does a righteous person do? You get back up and you go to him. You get back into that secret place and you don't stay down in shame because the scripture says he despised our shame on the cross on our behalf. And just as he walked with them, when you get in the secret place, it is a sign symbol that he is walking with you. And when you are with him, your heart will burn. If you have a relationship with Jesus and your heart is burning, not burning, you've got to go deeper. You've got to spend more time. You've got to yield a little more in your life. Because a life that is not burning you've not experienced the real tangible love and presence of God in your life yet. And I'm not saying it burns every hour of every day, but when you get in his presence, it's like your heart has so much oil and is so flammable that when the beginning of that song starts, something just, it's ready to burn. Or when you get in your secret place and you begin to read the word, it burns. They said, did not our hearts burn within us? And he talked with them on the road. He opened the scriptures. And he sat down at the table and he had communion with them. In verse 30, he said it took the bread. He blessed it and broke it. And I want you to take the bread this morning. Before you take it, I want you to hold it up. The reason it's held up because his body was held up on Calvary. He was lifted up. And you know, the reason we, it says that he broke it, I want you just to break it to symbolize it, is his body was broken so that your body doesn't have to be, that you have hope when you're in your brokenness, when your life looks like this, when your heart's and a thousand pieces. When you don't know what's next or what the plan is ahead, he's saying, if you just come and sit at my feet, I will mend your broken soul, your broken body, your broken mind. You are worried and troubled about many things. Well, I've, my body's been broken many times for you. Quite frankly, it was beaten 40 times. You got an issue, you got a trial, 
He's already been through it. He knows it. He loves you. And as we take this broken body, we're reminded we are not left without hope because his body was broken for us. It was pierced for us. Let's take his body. Secondly, we see the blood. The blood gives you strength from day to day. You need daily bread. You need to be reminded every day. You don't do this on your own. This church isn't something that's propped up and sustained by charisma, by charismania, by something that is tangible. This is a church, I pray, that is sustained by the blood of Jesus. That as the world grows darker and darker, that the light would shine brighter and brighter, not because of anything I do or you do, because a good leader always leads away from himself or from herself. That you don't see that leader, but it's this, it's this hard place to be. Where I stand in front of you, I don't want you to see me but it's almost as though I'm holding a mirror as I'm talking and you're seeing him. And that's what I commit to you. I want to be a, a leader, and I pray you are, as you lead in your spheres, you lead away from you, not towards you in insecurity. And as you lead away from you, you honor and glorify Jesus because he's what's seen in your life. Not how clever you are, not how much you know, not what you wear, not where you live, all of these stupid, frivolous things that we put clout on people. Can we be different? Can we look different? Can we act different? When God begins to do something, you don't hurry and try to bottle, up, bottle it up and say, look at me. Can we just let him do it and lead away from ourselves and to him and to his presence and to him moving? Not something man has done. And this is the age-old problem. Israel wanted a king, so what did God give them? Him a king. And you know the story of what happened after that. But as we look at the blood of Jesus, it flows to the deepest valleys of our life. And again, it flows down. It drips down from his brow. They pierced his side, and it came down out of his side. If you close your eyes for just a moment, can you... Just posture yourself right now in his presence and say, make me meek, Holy Spirit. Teach me how to be meek. Not weak, but meek, to be gentle at heart. That as I'm in your presence, it softened me. And there's some of you, there's points and places of insecurity and pain and trauma that you've not allowed the Holy Spirit to touch. Would you let him touch you right now? It's that easy. If you would just yield to him, a work can begin. You can be liberated and set free. And if you would just allow the blood to flow, the blood of redemption, the blood of freedom, the Son of God who was pierced for our transgressions, for our iniquities, that which we do outside of our body and that's what we think and what we feel in our soul. 
and our iniquities. No stone left unturned. Tanya, I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit right now. If you will just yield to him, he will touch you. Open your heart. Open your past. Give him your future. Surrender your children. Surrender that doctor's report. Whatever it is, lean into him before you lean on to something else. Let's take the blood together. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We pray it encouraged, uplifted, and challenged you to become more like Christ. We would love to hear from you. You can email your prayer request to prayer at gpcky.com. Loving our podcast? Take a moment and like and subscribe on our YouTube channel to stay up to date with all of our new content. Thanks for listening.